So that was a, um, a video of Gabby. You know, we started supporting Gabby over a decade ago um, when he was a worship leader for a <laughs> series of churches. And then uh, he felt moved to kind of flex into starting a new church, which he did. And then this pandemic, you saw how he's had to pivot in terms of all the needs. Gabby, would you just share a little bit of the, the story you're sharing with me about it's uh, uh, Lebanese doctors, physicians, and, and people in the professional area that they don't have food and electricity. Sure. You know, um, good morning first. Um, you know, with the... Uh, can you hear me? Yes. Hello? Uh, you know, we had uh, this uh, severe uh, economical crisis that uh, the Lebanese pound, Lira, uh, lost 96% of its value, in a way. So uh, a, a decent doctor would make $7,000 a month that would be able to pay most of his uh, bills because Lebanon is considered one of the most expensive and uh, uh, very, uh, it's very um, uh, hard to live there if you don't make money. So uh, that, that same person... Uh, his wage would reduce from 7000 to less than $500 a month. So suddenly we have this enormous number of people, we're talking about millions, who have lost their ability to find food on their tables. They have nice cars, they have nice home, they have uh, their kids, they go to nice schools, but suddenly they cannot pay their bills and they cannot provide food to their tables. And plus, what makes it even worse is that uh, the government blocked most of the money in the banks. So even if you have your savings, you cannot use those, those savings. And if, if you have like a million dollars in the bank, the only way you can get it back if, if they give you back 70,000. So you lose like $930,000 of your money. So this, this was a situation where the church has to move in and, and just really show uh, God's glory in these days. And, and God's really been speaking to Gabby. And really, I would say, if I would articulate it this way, just really prophetic direction in terms of how to respond to the changing realities of, uh, of the country. And so they started this distribution food, which you saw the video. Talk a little bit of the uh, food distribution and its impact on your church, on King Jesus Church. You know, we... Um... <clears throat> I don't know if you remember when I came here in 2020, February 2020, I still remember what I shared. I shared from Isaiah 61 because that was the Lord. Uh, the Lord was speaking to us a year before this happened from that verse, that a great darkness is going to come over Lebanon, but on you my glory will be shown. You will be the light, and people will just come and walk in your light. They will, they, they will find a refuge in in you. So when this happened, we were not surprised. We knew that this was going to happen because the church were ready. I was preaching this for a year almost. So we were very much ready spiritually and, and emotionally, if I can say, to, to receive that. But at the same time, we felt, Lord, okay, now how do you want us to, to be your glory? You know, there are many ways, but practically, how are we going to do that? So, uh, and I was thinking we need to help people because we start having people from our congregation who are in need, people from our neighborhood who are in need. So I thought, we, I need to make some phone calls, maybe to raise some funds, uh, because we cannot do it ourselves. And then the Lord spoke to me clearly. He says, Gabby, I don't want you to make any phone calls. I want you to plant your own seed. And I said, well, our own seed is very little, Lord. He said, okay, you just plant your own seed, and, uh, and then leave the rest to me. So that's what I did. So I, I just shared with the church. I said, listen, I feel the Lord, and I believe the Lord wants us to plant our own seed. For my amazement, because of COVID, of course, many people did not show up at that time. Only like 25 people in church, we were able to raise $1,400. That time, with that situation, with those little people, that, it's almost like a fortune. I was expecting 200, 300 at the max. So we were able to pack 50 packs, and we took it to fam, actually 49, because my wife was so generous to put more in every pack, so we lost one pack. So, And that makes me, you know, I'm, I'm the... I'm the I'm the thinker in the family. She's the heart. So she's like, she would put a little bit of sugar more, a little bit of rice more, and then we lost one pack at the end. So anyway, uh, so we were able to uh, go and feed like those 49 people first. And uh, believe it or not, now almost 18 months, uh, we are able to feed 1,000 family every six weeks. And, and let, me, let me say this. We did, we did not even knock one door. It was only the Lord. We had people calling us from all over the world saying, how can we help? 
and I have no idea how did and what did move them. I, I know that God did. I mean, I've been building a relationship uh, during the years and I have a lot of good connections and very good uh, uh, um, people trust us in a way. So people start send us money and we're able not to feed. And one of the reasons why I'm here this, uh, this time of the year, I came to the States. I've, I've been, I, I'm planning to do eight states in 19 days. So I still have five days to finish. And uh, one of the main reasons is because I want to see us being able to feed 5,000 every six weeks, not only 1,000, because the need is enormous, and, and it's been a great tool to reach out and show the glory of God. Yeah, good. And if I can brag on us as a little bit, he said, those are ministry connections. He comes to Colorado Springs because this is family, yeah. that we get to uh, hang with him. He's our family. Yeah. Which brings up, I'm so proud of Gabby and how they've pivoted, but I am disappointed in one area uh, in his life. So he had the opportunity to engage in American football yesterday. <laughs> and he chose the zoo. Come, I mean, no, don't applaud for that. I mean, no. Sure, he could have been permanently feebled, but the, the story he would have had to tell his congregation of engaging in American football. But I'm glad that I have a good story from the zoo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's, uh, let's pray for uh, Pastor Gabby. And, he, and also because we are connected, we're, uh, we found out just a little bit that he was coming and we are going to start a new series on a, a concept that I was going to unpack a little bit called Thin Places. And so uh, this concept is this idea where there are certain moments where it seems like that boundary between heaven and earth seems to disappear. You, you see it in uh, scripture oftentimes where the, the presence of God is thick and rich and, and, and you see it and then... For many of us, there's moments in life, like I would even say, taking communion with all you this morning, it felt like this thin place of the, the closeness of God. So we thought, what would it look like to look at some of those moments in Scripture where it seemed particularly the, the, the presence of God was rich and how we might see that and learn from that and I said, Gabby, you want to kick us off in this series? He said, yes, let's do it. So let's pray for her. So Lord, we thank you for our brother in Christ. We thank you for similar heart and mind of, of uh, love of you, King Jesus. Love of your kingdom with a, a deep desire to be used and, and mobilized um, uh, all your saints from around the world. Lord, thank you that you've been speaking and directing Gabby in, um, in how you want him to live out and share your love, not only through um, King Jesus Church, but also through this distribution, especially to the Lebanese that are hurting, Lord. Thank you for the stories of the connection to Muslims where they're seeing the love of Christ uh, Lord God, to, to nominal Christians where they're seeing the love and experiencing the love of Christ, Lord. Lord, now would you uh, fill Gabby's mouth and heart? Would you uh, give us, Lord God, ears to hear all that you have for us from your word? Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. 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 How much time do I have? Say what? How much time do I have? You have as much time as you want. Probably. Amen. Yeah, wrap, wrap never. It up and by, uh, by 11.30, that would be great. Yeah. Never tell a preacher you have as much time as you want. <laughs> well, good morning again. I'm so glad to be with you. As Pastor Eric said, I really consider myself coming to my family. I've been doing like one day or two days maximum in each state I visited, but this place here, I, I've been here for... I've been here since uh, Thursday. I'm leaving tomorrow, so four days. I have nothing to do. This is the only place where I'm just, I could do some shopping because I do feel really that this is a family. This is family, really. And uh, thank God for people like uh, Pastor Eric and his wife for accepting me here and, you know, Alan having me in his house. 
David and Merlin that used to host me. And um, I have, you know, I, I'm, do I look in a good shape? That's because of your advice, brother. <laughs> Let me tell you this story before I start. I came once here, and he was taking me, picking me up from somewhere, and it was raining. So we had to run to the, to the car. And here's David, you know, choo, 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 running. And I was like, <laughs> and it's like, Brother David, what's your secret? You know, you're much older than me. And he goes, uh, I eat two bananas a day. <laughs> and I say, is that right? And he goes, mm-hmm. One in the morning and one at night. <laughs> so I've been eating two bananas a day since then. <laughs> I want to be like him in his age. Bless your hearts. So much missing you. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be uh, sharing with you this. You know, when Pastor sent me uh, this, this uh, passage from the Bible, it says, if you'd like to share from that passage. I don't like it when, you know, I'm sharing in churches. They say, if you'd like to share from that. I like it so much because it was exactly what is on my heart to share with you this morning. And I believe there is a word for, for us this morning coming from a place that... Uh, I mean, you've seen some of what's going on in Lebanon, but it's really uh, hard. It could be one of the hardest times in the history of our country. You know, I was raised and born in a, in a war myself. Those who are uh, like, um, where is my Lebanese fellow here somewhere? I saw you having, partaking. Where is Jerry and, uh, hey. I'm, I'm glad to see you again. Um, you know, I was raised in a war. I was five years when the civil war started in Lebanon, and I was 15 when I was involved in this war. I was part of the Christian militia then, and um, we had war for like 15 years, 16 years almost. I had many of my good close friends died just next to me, but it was no, it's nothing. It was nothing like what we're going through now, because even during the war, we had food on our tables, but this time, this, these days, we don't have that, uh, uh, that privilege of having whatever we would like to have. So... So it's really, it's been, it's been a very hard 18 months so far. Uh, uh, it's been, it's, you know, I, I had to spend every week almost time with, with, with my team because we have now six uh, full-timers who does that job that you've seen there. Uh, because distributing food, we go door to door. We don't ask people to come and stand in queue because we'd love to honor those people, not to humiliate them. So we go door to door, and we have six people going there to visit uh, families and spend time with them, just give them food, pray with them, and come back. And every week, almost, I have to sit with them and just do some trauma healing, uh, uh, whatever you call it, because they, they, they see that there's many who are in needs. So what shall we do? And I keep telling them we're not called to feed all of our Lebanon, although we had, uh, we had the prophecies like we're going to be like Joseph, a house of bread for, for Lebanon, but we believe that... Uh, we are doing our part, and, uh, uh, and I know that God is getting glorified. Let me tell you this. The church in Lebanon, although we're going through this hard time, we're having only two hours of electricity a day, only two hours. We don't have gas. We don't have uh, wa right water. Uh, food is not existing. Medical uh, med medicaments are not there. Medicine are not there. Uh, doctors are leaving the country. Nurses are leaving the country. Uh, engineers are leaving the country. Teachers are leaving the country. Some schools are not able to open or to reopen because of lack of uh, teachers. Um, we don't have uh, uh, bread enough. We don't have... I mean, it's, it's a disaster in a way. But in the midst of that, God is showing up. And you know what? When God shows up, it's heaven. Our president, unfortunately, was asked six months ago in one of the press conferences, where do you think we're heading? And he bluntly said it, we're going to hell. So we, had, we as a church, we had to stand up and say, Lord, in Jesus' name, we refuse this. Because where God is, it's heaven. Whether you like it or not. We've been praying for the persecuted church. Let me tell you something. You know, I don't believe there is a church in the world that is not persecuted. And the church in America is included. There are different ways of persecution. I'm not going to talk about that. But I know that you are also persecuted for what you believe in this country. Now with the race of humanism and whatever you want to call it. So there is persecution everywhere. And you know what? That's good. We're following the footsteps of our master. That's, that's how, the, uh, if you want my, my opinion, that's the right state of the church. 
when the church is not persecuted, something is wrong there. Because uh, this, is how, this is what Jesus promised us anyway. So anyway, so let me read from you because I need to read something from the Bible. Genesis 28, 8, 28, 10. I have a lot of stories to share with you, so I'll try to wrap it up by 10.30, you said? Thank you. Genesis 28, 10. Jacob left Bisheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. I'm going to tell you to highlight a few words here because I'm going to come back for those words. So I want, I want you to highlight that the sun had set. Taking one of the stones, highlight the stones, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. If you want to highlight the whole <laughs> verse. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on earth, on the earth, with a stop reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending. And you know what? I don't believe the word of God uh, came like, you know, I know that it was said by the Holy Spirit. It was ascending first and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. Which is mean, I am the Lord of the covenant. Whenever you see God saying, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob. He's saying, I am the Lord of the covenant. I am the Lord of the covenant. We just partake the covenant. I am the Lord of the covenant. When I, when I, when I say a word, I keep my word. When I say, I'm going to be with you, I will be with you. I am the Lord of Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All people, peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Again, I'm going to say that. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you. I am with you. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. That was a promise for Jacob, right? Right? No. That was first done for Abraham. I mean, this is how God started with Abraham first, right? He promised him, I'm going to bless you. And you're going to be a blessing. And you know what the Lord uh, uh, then mentioned? The Bible says in Ephesus, I remember, or Galatians maybe. Let me just check. This will be accurate. In Ephesians or Galatians. Somewhere in the Bible. <laughs> Galatians 3. says that we are the offspring of Abraham. We are the offspring of Abraham. We are the offspring. So we are the sons and daughters of that covenant. And that covenant works also for us, for me, for you. Why am I saying this? Because I believe so much, brothers and sisters here, that when the Lord spoke to us three years ago, that the great darkness coming to Lebanon, he says, on you I'm going to show my glory. And, the, and then when, when this happens, I start praying, Lord, what do you want us to do? And, and the Lord says, I want to be available and aware of what I'm going to do. Okay? Let me, let me give you a hint of what, how God works. Because we're talking here about when God, when, when heavens meet earth. I'm going to continue reading later on. All right? From the beginning, whenever God wanted to do anything on earth, he needed a body. He created it to, or he chose to work this way. He cannot do things on earth without a body. So in the Old Testament, we had the Jew. We had Abraham who obeyed God. And God, through the Jew, he wanted to touch the earth. That's why he said, I bless you, and you're going to be a blessing. If you read, you know, that was the plan of God from the beginning. And I want you to be aware of what God is saying, not of what the Word is saying, please. Because we can be easily distracted, and if the church is distracted, we will lose what God is about to do through us on earth. I can ask you now to look at my hand. Can you see my fingers? 
Anyone notice what I'm doing with the, with the second hand? Yeah. With this hand? No, because you're focused on this hand. So whatever your focus is, I mean, I'm moving my second hand, but no one noticed because you're focused somewhere else. So we need to focus on what God is saying and what God said to us. Because if we're not focused on what God said to us, we're going to lose what God is going to do through us in this time, in this year. So God says, when he created Adam and Eve, from the beginning God's intention was to be, to bless man, so we are a blessing. The first thing he said to Adam and Eve, said, I bless you. Right? That shows the intention of God. God wants to bless us. God wants to bless us. Whatever your circumstances says, I don't care. God's intention from the beginning is to bless us. Then we see the same thing with Noah. After Noah's ark and all people perish, and then Noah's first thing, first account, account, accountants with God, he said, the Lord says, Noah, I'm, I want to bless you and bless, bless your descendant. And then when God spoke to Abraham, the first thing he said to Abraham, Abraham, I want to bless you and I want you to be a blessing. And let me, let, me, let me share with you what, what was the verse exactly because I want you to listen to what God has been, to what God says to Abraham. Uh, Genesis 12, 2. It says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Remember, this is a covenant God did with Abraham and with his descendant. And who is the descendant of Abraham? We are. So this covenant works till now. You know, as long as God lives, <laughs> as long as God exists, His covenant, His, His promise exists for us. You cannot, you cannot say, it doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for you because you are wrong, not because God is wrong. Because you are focusing somewhere else, not because God did not say it. God is not able to do it. Because if God is not able to do it, let us leave this place and go. Why church then? Why Christianity then? My God is able. My God never lies. And I am a great example before you because I'm going to share with you what God is doing with us in Lebanon in the most worst time ever. 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 We haven't been ever in a time like that in the history of Lebanon. They say the economical crisis in Lebanon is the worst, the worst since 130 years in the world. They said the blast that we had is the second largest blast after Hiroshima. So I don't think there is any place that is worse than Lebanon. But you know what? We are experiencing His glory like never before. I am enjoying Lebanon like never before. Everybody's asking me, are you going to leave Lebanon? Because many pastors, unfortunately, are leaving Lebanon. Are you, gonna, are you leaving Lebanon? I said, why do I want to leave now? I've been waiting for this to happen for years. <laughs> it's a great opportunity. You don't leave when there is darkness if you are the light. Right? You don't leave. That's the best. I mean, I'm experiencing His glory day after day. His thick presence day after day. And I'm enjoying that. I've been waiting for this. I don't care if there is no food. I don't care if there is no electricity. Because if I'm true with myself, as a son of God, what, my, what mainly my, 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 my heart should go for is His presence. I don't care if the economy is collapsing. I don't care if churches cannot meet. His presence is there and that's enough for me. And I really mean it. You know what? We're, it's not a coincidence that we're talking about the persecuted church this morning. Let me tell you something. The presence of God, even during persecution, makes it feel like it's heaven. Because I always thought in my mind, how did the disciples at the beginning, you know, were able to take on all this persecution? And now I have the answer. When the presence of God is there, it's easy. It's nice. Because that's what we live for. I mean, I live for his presence. I live for his glory. And that's it. I don't care if Lebanon will prosper. I don't care if we 
have the best economy in the world. I don't, you know, I don't care if America has the best and the strongest economy in the world and the church is dead. Because I am a man of God. So my heart is, Lord, I want your presence. More, Father. More of your presence. And you know what? It is available because his intention from day one is to bless you. He says, I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. Um, no longer will, will you be called Abraham. That's Genesis 17.5. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. Listen, church. This is the covenant. Where do you want to focus? On the promise or on what you see with your eyes? This is the covenant. This is what God says. And what God says is the truth. He says, I will make you very fruitful. He didn't say, I will give you the circumstances. He says, in any circumstance there, I can make you very fruitful. So stop listening to those lies. We should have a better uh, uh, economy. We should have a better politics. We should have a better, I don't know what, weather. <laughs> Some people consider not having a white Christmas persecution. So <laughs> We've been praying for you today. So no matter what, I'm going to be fruitful because God says and God is able to do. If, and if God is not able to do, I'm not going to worship anymore. So he says, you're going to be very fruitful. I'm going to make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. And then it goes on. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you, the whole land of Canaan where you know, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you and I will be their God. You know what the problem with the, with the people of God then? They were thinking of the land. They were not thinking that they are called for the word. We are, as a church, called to be a blessing for the world. And God needs this body to work. You know, he needed the Jew in the Old Testament. He needed the body of Jesus to do the salvation. And now in the New Testament, he needs the church, his body. And you know what? If we just believe, if, if we just believe and start to accept his glory to rest on us, and take the glory of God with us. Let me tell you, let me share with you this story. I have a lot of stories to share with you, but I'm going to share this one particularly. I have a beautiful brother in our church. His name is Victor. Victor is, uh, is one of those who do also the relief work. He woke up one day and says, Lord, because this is what we're preaching in church. We've been preaching this in church for a year now. And people are believing that. And because people are believing that, they're experiencing this. So I said, Lord, I don't want to do the normal routine visit today. Send me to someone who needs you. So he was driving his car. And he found a soldier, a Lebanese army soldier, like about 40 years old, very strong, tough, you know how soldiers are, standing and hitchhiking. Because poor soldiers, their wage went down all the way to $60 a month. They cannot pay for their gas to go being a soldier. So, because he loved them, he stopped, as, as we all love our veterans, right? We love the soldiers. So, he stopped by and he says, come in, I'll take you. The minute the guy stepped into the car, he started crying. He started crying. <laughs> and Victor was like, whoa, what's going on here? You know, you're a soldier, you're not supposed to cry. And he started crying. And then, you know, he started pouring out his heart. I cannot take it anymore. I don't know what to do anymore. I cannot take it anymore. What should I do anymore? You know, I don't know what to do. And then after like 15 minutes, he, he was like, you know what? He had a bag in his hand. He says, you know what I have in this bag? He has, I have poison here. Because I'm going to commit suicide, me and my wife. Maybe someone can take care of our kids because we cannot find, provide food for them. That was six months ago. His name is Hamoudi. 
He's a Sunni Muslim. Hamudi was getting baptized six weeks ago in our church. He has now the biggest smile on his face. You know what? His situation did not change. He still makes $60 a month. We don't give him money. It's not like, oh, Hamudi, come become Christian. We're going to give you thousands. You know, if I have thousands, I won't be a pastor. But Hamudi and his wife, her name is Fatmi, they are the only members in our church, brother, that they pray for me daily now. No one told them. He don't, he don't know the Bible yet. Now we are, we're going to start a discipleship program, and he's going to be with his wife doing those. But you know what? He was in touch with the glory of God. He sent me daily, this morning, every morning. He goes, good morning, pastor. And it's like six afternoon here, so you know, I say, good morning, Hamoudi. And then he would send me a Bible, verse Bible, from, and I'm praying for you. You know what? This is one story of many. I can share with you story after story after story of how God is revealing himself because heaven needs a body to touch and to meet the earth. That's what happened with Jacob. I'm going to read again for you. Genesis 28, verse 13. There above it stood the Lord. He is going to do the connection personally. He's not sending an angel there. Personally. And that says, He said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendant the land on which you are lying. Just let me remind you something here. We're talking about Jacob who, is, who was then about 70 years old, running away from his brother. And sleeping on a stone. I don't know if, if you like to sleep on a stone <laughs> when you're 70. I'm 50 and I find it hard to sleep on a mattress. <laughs> and how many of you struggle with their pillows, especially when you travel? I have a big pillow, I cannot travel with my pillow, so I always pray, Lord, give me nice pillows. But you know, to be honest with you, America, you have the best mattresses in the world. <laughs> you have to come and sleep in Lebanon on mattresses. And you know how much you are blessed to have those mattresses. So anyway, you, um, you imagine this man sleeping on a stone. A very hard situation there. But you know, when heaven touches earth, and if you see it, you can then change the situation that you are in. You are called to change the situation in this country. And don't say we're little. You know, Lebanon is such a tiny, small country on the map that if you want to write Lebanon over it, it doesn't fit. You have to write it over the Mediterranean. And it's here. Sometimes people ask me, where are you from? I say, from Lebanon. I say, where? Lebanon. Lebanon? Yeah, next to Israel. Oh. So, and then he goes, I will give you and your descendant the land on which you are lying. Your descendant will be like the dust of the earth and you will, you will, you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. So you're not going to be doing this alone. If you believe, I am with you and I will help you to be a blessing. I am with you and I will help you. Even if pastor is not with you, I am with you. Even if the church is not with you, I am with you. God the Father is with us. And he, has, he made a covenant to be to bless us so we can, we're going to be a blessing. You know what? The cure for America, the cure for the earth is the church. It's you. I'm going to say the church because sometimes we say, when we say the church, we look out, you know, around church. You know, you are the church. On Sunday, we don't go to church. We bring the church to the building. <laughs> it's not like, ah, oh, the church. God bless you, Pastor Eric. You're doing a great job. And no, you are the church. You are his offspring. 
You are who are meant to be the blessing to this earth. Whether they like it or not, they might kill you for that. As we saw, they might persecute you for that. But you are the blessing. And we have to accept that. If we don't see this, we, we won't act like the blessing. You know, in Lebanon now we have two kinds of... <laughs> I hate those microphones. They're international. It's everywhere. In Lebanon, the same. I just like, I hate them. It's, it's the ear, I think. My ear doesn't fit on. So, what was I saying? Anyway, we are, we are to be the blessing on this earth, brothers and sisters. We are to be the blessing, and we have to believe it. In Lebanon, you know, we have two kinds of church now. Unfortunately, we have the church that is a blessing, that is showing the glory of God, and we have the church that is nagging, feeling depressed, and leaving the country. I keep telling people, Satan is the same everywhere in the world. If you think, I'm going to immigrate to America, you know, they have the American dream. I'm going to live the American dream. <laughs> I don't know if you have a different Satan than the one we have in Lebanon. It's the same, different language. Wherever you go, is the same. And wherever you go, you ought to be a blessing to where God has planted you to be. So he says, your descendant will be like the dust on the earth and you will spread out to the west, to the east, to the north, and to the south. All people on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. All people on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised to do. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. Did you notice that? Surely the Lord was in this place, and I was not aware of it. I don't know how many times the Lord was with you, and you were not aware of it. Just because you're busy with the news, busy, busy with what people are telling you, busy with, with your um, list of things that you need, of bills that you need to cover. I mean, how many times the Lord is with us? You know, the problem is that I, I believe, I believe that God is, is omnipresent. I believe that God is everywhere. And I believe that it's our problem that because sometimes we don't see him. It's not that God is not in the place. God is always with us. His name is Emmanuel. Remember? We're going to celebrate Christmas. We're going to sing that song many times. Now we know we use it. Emmanuel means God is with us. That's his covenant. His presence is all over us. That's his covenant. And it's a matter of being aware. Because you can be easily distracted. The church that is supposed to be a blessing, carrier of his glory and his light, is distracted with tiny little things. I don't like my wife. She's giving me terrible time, horrible things. I don't like my husband. I don't like my kids. Yeah, that was good, huh? <laughs> I don't like the state where I'm in now. I don't like my job. I don't like, I don't like, I don't like. Ah, until you are aware of his presence. Suddenly, your wife becomes the most beautiful lady on earth with the same attitude. Your husband will keep snoring all night. I love the music that comes from him. Sing more, honey. Sing more. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I mean, I make it as a joke, but it's serious, seriously, guys. It's this way. When his presence, when you, when you are aware of his presence, things are different. Suddenly you have the patience. Suddenly you can carry all the weight that is there because you're not alone. And you're aware that someone is there to help you. I like it that it says that the 
the, the, uh, um, the angels were ascending and descending as if they're coming out from earth first, taking our needs. And God was there on the top of the stairs, sending them back. Go back. Help my body. Shine my glory. Give them the power that they need. Because these are the main means and tool for me to reach out to the world. And then it says, I'm not going to read it. Jacob, look at that stone that was hurting him. That hard situation that was, I mean, sleeping on a stone is not easy, right? And then he spoke to that stone. He says, you are the presence of God. And he changed that hard situation from hard to a sacred place, the presence of God. And I, I'm on, I want to encourage you now to start speak to your stone. And say, Lord, you promised. The covenant is that you are with me. So I'm going to declare and proclaim your presence in my house. In my relationship with my wife and my husband and my kids and my job and my country and my church. Because I'm a carrier of your presence, of your glory. Let me end up with this. The Lord spoke to me not a long time ago about us as a church. I'm not going to say much because I have only five minutes. And I was praying, Lord, what's wrong with the church? What's wrong with the church? What's wrong with us, Father? Why are we so stuck? Says, and then the Lord said to me, Gabby, because I, I need a body to show my glory. So I chose you. Thank you, Lord. And then it says, and I asked you to move. I gave you a goal. Be a blessing. And then as if I said, you know, you're here. I want you to move from here. And this is your goal, to be here, a blessing. And then I gave you a tool. To move from here to here. Let's say a bicycle. The problem is that you're so busy with your bike now. You have the bike club on every Sunday. Everybody shows up with his bike. Shiny, beautiful bikes. You know? And we have like schools on how to ride bikes. And we have like missions, bike riding together. And we have people who leave this bike riding club to this bike riding club because the pastor there, or the head of bikers, he can lift up the bike on one wheel and he can do all this. You know? It's like, I gave you the mean to go to a goal. And you keep busy with that mean all the time, fixing your bike. And then the Lord says to me, you know, the pandemic... It was, in a way, I used it to break that bike because I wanted to, to, make you, to make sure that you know what is your call. This is the problem is that now after the pandemic is over, we're all busy fixing our bikes. Where are the people? Where are the people? Where are the people? You know, I know, I, I, can, I can notice that your church is like ours. Some people are not coming because they're afraid of COVID, right, Pastor? I don't know if Corona is hiding only in churches. Because I see those people in Lebanon in supermarkets and in malls. <laughs> when I say, why don't you come to church? Pastor, you know, there's COVID. It's like... <laughs> I'm a guest. I can say that. <laughs> in my church, I do that straight to the people who are on live stream. I say, well, you're liars, you're lazy. It's, it's from me, not from Pastor Eric. So that's, that's not his opinion. That's what I think of some of those who cannot, or who say we cannot show up in church. So we're busy with those bikes. Right? The Lord is breaking that bike because he's like, you know, what if, I'm, I'm just wondering, what if we were, not, we were never able to meet again together like this? What would have happened? The church died 2020. Let's start something new. What if we were not able to meet? 
I mean, maybe in the future, persecution would be everywhere and we would never be able to meet like that. What would, what would, what would the church do then? Just to believe that there's a covenant that His glory is on us, whatever is the situation. And this is a testimony coming from someone coming from Lebanon. Tell you, the situation is horrible. It's unbearable sometimes. You know, my family now, I, I left my family. My wife would call me. She called me like five, six days ago because the electricity goes off. And at night, it's so dark. So dark. She called me like, I was like, what's wrong with her? She's supposed to be asleep. She said, I don't know, but I feel like someone is in the house. I can feel steps in the house. And said, those are angels. Go to bed. But in my heart, it's like, I pray she would believe that and sleep. (laughs) The situation is not easy. You know, people are not even storing money in banks anymore because they're stored in a house. And then your house is a very dangerous place. Everybody is thinking, hmm, I need to find a way to that house. But with all of that, let me tell you this. Our church, my wife was preaching, not today, last Sunday. And she was talking about how to be city of refuge. And then at the end of the meeting, she says, I want the newcomers to stand in the middle of the church and all the old people to, to surround them and pray for them. You know what? The old people, the old church coming people, they were not able to surround them. They, were out, they, were, they outnumbered us. 65% of the church coming in our church now. They are new people, six months old only. Amen. In the midst of the great chaos that, and the darkness that you think of. You know... You know something? Just because we believe that God, that heaven is touching. It's not like, you know, there are times where heaven touched earth. No. There's a covenant that heaven is always wanting to touch earth if the earth is aware. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for this beautiful, beautiful body of yours, beautiful church, beautiful bride. Thank you, Lord, because I can see heroes of faith standing up for you in this country. Thank you, Lord, although that they are very little maybe, and they think that we're outnumbered, that your glory and light on them will attract those who are in the darkness because they feel safe. Yes, we need that. I don't need money. I just need his presence. Father, I want to pray that this word would find a place in their hearts. That from now on, Father, that their attitude, their prayers, whatever they do, is going to be different because they know now. They are called to be a blessing. Father, I want to thank you because you bless us to be a blessing. I want to thank you, Lord, because you shine your glory on us so we show your glory to people. Father, I want to thank you for this church. And I pray your blessing over it. In Jesus' name. Let me share this one thing before I leave. I want to say first thank you because this church has been faithfully supporting us personally as a family in Lebanon. And I tell you, without you doing that, we wouldn't be able to do whatever we've been doing. So you've been, you've been part of that glory in Lebanon. You've been part to show God's um, light through us in Lebanon. You know, I was praying, and Lord, you know, it's like, because I'm now 50, I'm 51, believe it or not, I'm 51 now. I don't look like I know that I'm 51. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I was praying, Lord, 51 years, I was raised, born in Lebanon. I'm not going to leave. But I've never seen one day of peace in this country. What's wrong with this country, Lord? 
What's wrong with Lebanon? It's a very tiny, small, little country. This, you know. And then the Lord reminded me of a verse in Isaiah 29, 17 that says that in a little while, Lebanon will turn into a fruitful field. And we've never in the history of Lebanon that we've experienced any revival. And the Lord said to me, Gabby, this is the time you're going to see this verse happening. But he says this also, that Lebanon, because we had a lot of prophets who would prophesy over Lebanon, that Lebanon is a forerunner. Whatever happens in Lebanon, you're going to see happening in the Word next time. And you're going to be helping, teaching how you survived, other people to survive. And it's this, listen, Gabby, because right after 29.17 comes 29.18 that says, when you see this happening, you're going to see a big revival in the Word because the blind will see, the deaf will hear, and those who are sitting in the misery will call for the God of Israel. So pray for Lebanon. Because whatever is happening in this country, I said, Lord, it's a very small country. This Bethlehem is a small, small city. And I use Bethlehem. I don't need big things to, you, to show up my glory. I'm not going to use America to show up my glory because Americans would think, <laughs> I mean, he's going to use Lebanon and we're going to say, <laughs> anyway. Human are human. And then I said, Lord, why all this misery? And then Lord says this to me. Whenever I wanted to mention something good and beautiful in the Bible, I would use Lebanon. And the Song of Solomon 5, when I wanted to describe myself, I said, I am as beautiful as Lebanon. And since that day, Satan hates you. And he wants to, you know, distract. But I am going to bring my glory back to this country. Not for your sake, but because I'm going to show how beautiful I am in the coming days. So this is where we're standing, and this is where we're leaving. And I'm, I strongly believe, and I'm coming back, and I don't know, next year or the year after, to share with you more stories on how God is showing His glory, because we believed. Just to encourage you to start believing with me, that God is about to show His glory through you. He don't need more. Just believe and receive and accept. Amen? Thank you.